something woke the box my people guard. It called out to the dark place, to one of Darkseid's conquerors. The enemy is here. He's here? Where is he? He'll be searching for the other two boxes, hiding until he has all three, until he's ready. We have to be ready. You, me, the others. They said the Age of Heroes would never come again. Welcome to the intersection of faith and fear, where we discuss each week what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the Fear of God podcast. This is a B-side episode of the Fear of God podcast. Welcome, friends and foggers, to an episode years in the making. I am one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey, but he was here a minute ago, but mentioned needing to hide his mother box, so... Hopefully that, hopefully that won't take too long. That said, we do have a special guest today, a guest you would have expected to see on our most recent Quarterly King, but a prior encounter with a kryptonite lace spear sidelined him. So today we revived him and suited him up in all black to join the conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, Krypton's last son, Ian Olson. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I have some lost time, but yeah, I think I look yeah. good in black. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, um, I'm brooding. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Brooding something hard. Uh, oh, hope is what the sign means. Hey, when were you last here? Was that when were you last on the show? Um, when when I lied to little Reed and said that I was coming in hot from a road trip. And actually, no. I was in. Oh Oklahoma wow! It's been since the dead zone with you. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, dead zone. Okay, it's been a while. So welcome back. It's welcome back. I'm glad you're finally here. Uh, took a little break there. We I, we should pause for a second because we're getting ahead of ourselves. Because oh. here at the fear of God, Ian, if you recall, it's been a little while. We explore. We don't explain. Okay, except for right, right now. Right. When I explain to the listeners that they can listen to the fear of God at their nearest podcast platform, they can watch the fear of God on YouTube and they can browse the fear of God on the web at the fear of God podcast.com where they will find read read. What's up mother boxes. (laughs) (laughs) 
was good. That was good. Riri. Riri. Hey. We, we dipped a photo of his daddy in a mother box in the bath, and we got we got <laughs> Ian here. You know? <laughs> wow. Well, That's who not knew? the way to Ian's get me here. anywhere. Like, hey, it's your father. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, I'll, be, and I'll be somewhere else. Thanks. All oh, the frivolity man. just plummets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to go. <laughs> like a... Like a building in Metropolis. It just Lord. folded. Um, <laughs> man, man. Okay. okay. <laughs> Speaking of coming in hot, here we go. Hey, Reed, we are doing this. We are doing this. It's happening. Reed, it's I happening. hope, as my boy wonder, you don't suffer the same fate through the duration of this conversation that the DCU one apparently did. Woo. We are discussing today, if it's unclear at all, the DCEU broadly and the Snyder Cut specifically. I want to allay some concerns because they probably are high right now. If anyone I'm is sure. along, you know, at least I personally, and I will own it, Reed always just sort of winces when it happens, but I've taken plenty of jabs at <laughs> the DCEU over the years, and listeners may be concerned about the tone of the next little while of this conversation, but, but, like the Amazons, I encourage you, listener, to have no fear as the goal today isn't to take cheap shots, sincerely, but to have an honest, open-hearted conversation about these films and this universe. But it, that's enough jabbering from me, fellas. Shall we, shall we open a mother box? You want to do mm. that? Get the, let's get let's things do started. That. Let's so, do that. So we're going Water to structure box. this conversation. <laughs> Man, it, <laughs> what's really funny about the mother box, just verbiage, um, yeah. And I had to inform my brother because he was making fun of it. I was like, well, this is actually from the comics. This is not something derived <laughs> from the movies. But all I can think of is Mother Boy from Arrested Development, which is just a whole <laughs> other layer of just stuff to layer onto this. <laughs> it was a mother box. <laughs> <laughs> mother Boy. All right. So we're going to structure this conversation around three separate uh, um mother boxes and and hopefully arrive at some boxes <laughs> arrive at some unity by the end of it all man this is gonna be wild so <laughs> i want to start either that or it's gonna be just bad and sad um all oh, of the above no. um right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fellas we're here i want to start i want to just in case we aren't already i wanted to loosen us up a little bit just get just get just start having some fun so i wanted to start with some questions to get us jawing about some square-jawed superheroes and villains. I have questions meant to be fun, and they'll hopefully provoke a little conversation as we engage them. And we're just going to kind of popcorn-style this. Read uh, it's All right. a, little, a little bit like our Cobra Kai, you know, what oh, about cool. this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Good. So thinking about this conversation just really got me browsing the HBO Max DC library and how I could actually hit a wall on determining some of these things. So I'm hoping maybe y'all can through your input and wisdom offer some insight into some takes here. So I want to ask you guys, we're going to start uh, with the dark Knight of Gotham. I want to know of the live action DC material. So this is not just modern DCEU. This is live action DC stuff. Uh, we're going to sequester off the cartoons, though, if you've got an interest in this stuff, the cartoon Justice League Unlimited is amazing and highly worth your time. Um, I want to start with the entire live action DC canon and ask you guys, what is your favorite 
Batman. Uh, and Reed, I'm going to start. You have a Batman shirt on, so I want I to start with you. Who, who's your favorite Batman? Like when you think, sure, that's my Batman. Who is it? Well, you've already sequestered off animated series. Sure, just so to limit us I, a little bit. Yeah, so I have to say Keaton. I mean, Ke- Keaton is it for me. Uh, Keaton was the one that, even though all love and affection for Adam West and the uh, Burt, you know, the the old classic '60s yep. Batman, which I do love, uh, Ke- I still have memories of like when Batman, the original film, got the VHS and and took it home and watched. I didn't get to see it in the theater, but yeah, Keaton's my Batman. You know, what's really awesome about that is last night I was browsing that one. I was just skimming some scenes and I even, my wife was sitting in the room and she was like, really? 1989? I said, yes. And, uh, and I told her this actually isn't revealing necessarily my answer to this question, but I, I couldn't articulate how that film exists in as one of the foundation stones of my pop culture personality like oh wow yeah i have so much sentimentality wrapped up in that movie from you know whether it was action figures or trading cards or just that era really is significant and sentiment sentimental to me in fact you mentioned adam west i wondered if you would go there so reed unlike you who has a t-shirt on i actually went looking for a, a dc character shirt today i, I made one stop admittedly uh, and they didn't have it so i am sporting my black panther shirt but i thought in honor of you i do have a copy of the reed lackey written adam west comic book and i thought about getting Aww. it out but i apologize. but then you just did but i did think about it well i'm glad you thought so, about it. ian uh, having contributed so much to this conversation already, what is your favorite Batman? Wow. When you oh. survey, <laughs> when you survey the DC live action material, when I survey the Good live action material, um, yeah. So Will Arnett is out, which means it has mm. to, be, I mean, that, that is yeah. the definitive dog. <laughs> definitive no parents <laughs> sorry i just said it right over top of his answer and i apologize for that say say your answer again I, no matter what no matter what i'm nebula <laughs> you're nebula in the dceu brother say, yeah it's multiverse <laughs> multiverse who's your batman christian bale nice. mm. All right. um i i and i like i like keaton but there is just something about uh, Bale's Bruce Wayne and Batman that. that Where is she? <laughs> Swear to me. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna join you there. So Keaton wins on sentimentality and nostalgia, hands down. Love it. His attempt to articulate to Vicky Vale that he's Batman is just beautiful. Um, and you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Great scene. Great scene. Thank you, Michael Keaton. But. In terms of just packing a punch, I love I love the Nolan Bat trilogy, yep. um, and specifically Bale's performance there. Cool. All right, so Ian, I'm going to start with you for this second one. This might uh, I don't know I don't know how difficult a uh, choice this will be, but I'm curious now. Your favorite Superman from the history of DC live action? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say Henry Cavill. Um, even though I don't like his movies. <laughs> well, it's, pause before you get there, but okay. Well, I, I just think it's an important caveat because if I just tell you that it's HC, right. It's true. Then it's going to sound like, I don't know. I stand for man of steel 
and I don't. <laughs> but I, Christopher Reeve, no. See, Ian, you're revealing why I invited you on this episode. It's because <laughs> I needed a scapegoat from the listeners. They're going to be anticipating me right, coming right, in right. hot. Instead, I got you. Who to, would you have? Take the Ian heat. or Barabbas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give <laughs> us Barabbas. Um, uh, well, it's funny, and I shouldn't have stopped you a second ago, um, because I would sort of, despite the fact that I've got a tiny Henry Cavill in my on my microphone here, um, I would sort of side with you there, because which is which is because I've thought about this stupid question all day because I formulated it, and it's really difficult. I love Christopher Reed; he's fantastic, but Cavill is Clark slash Superman, and yet is he (laughs) and i i'm not even trying to be a jerk it's anyway so i I think he's expertly cast expertly cast um so i I would sort of side with you there what about you riri george george reeves (laughs) george reeves dean kane um so uh (laughs) (laughs) we gotta bleep that one out (laughs) (laughs) so um uh, I think, and we'll get into it, my feelings about Cavill. I'm Christopher Reeve. Um, I feel there's one scene in particular, as you were discussing how well Cavill embodies the role, which I actually don't disagree with. Um, Still, to me, the moment of any film version of Superman that I've ever seen that so substantiates for me so many of my thoughts about the character and the affection of the character and that tension between Clark and Superman is the scene in, I believe, the second Superman where Lois runs, he's at Lois's apartment and she leaves to the kitchen and Clark is all like, you know, hunched over, glasses on. When she leaves, he takes the glasses off and stands up and he's still in Clark attire, but he takes the glasses off and stands up and he's in the full like Superman pose for a second. And you you can see that he's contemplating whether or not to reveal it. And then when she comes back in, he quickly puts the glasses back on and, and hunks down. And I feel like nobody else that's taken on the role, including Cavill. One of the things I will say about Cavill that the structure of Zack Snyder's vision of the universe enables him to do is to not have to wrestle with that identity because he's wrestling with a lot of other things. So he doesn't have to wrestle with that dichotomy. Christopher Reeve at the time those films were made had to actively substantiate for a bunch of people who realized the only thing keeping you from being outed are your glasses. And in about 15 seconds, he shows everyone how possible it is to fool everybody. And I think that's a masterful stroke. I'm a Christopher Reeve guy all the way. So, well, and I would say it's, it's a close race for me. It's very I think, close. I think sure. part of it, despite growing up in the era of those films, um, and admittedly, we should give a bit of a wink towards Brandon Routh played the role as well on, yes. on the big screen, at least. And I think was competent and capable. But um, uh, I, I, for some reason, those films didn't sink into my young psyche as much and i don't i don't totally know why that is i don't know if we didn't watch them as much in my home or not but um i watched that just as a note there i yeah. watched those probably twice as much as i watched the batmans and i, wow. and I and yeah. the batmans yeah. were on repeat but sure the first the first and second superman specifically and ironically the fourth um were just on perpetual repeat growing up like there's they whether they were just running on television or whatever it was i feel like i watched them probably more times than i can count 
but to your point, I mean, I did, uh, I don't have a memory at all for three or four. I, I've got a competent memory for one and two. Um, but I did reskim them <clears throat> in the last 24 hours and, and he, you, you are absolutely right. I mean, he nails that, that mm-hmm. playing two different characters. Um, in a way that not a lot of people have done quite as well. Um, not this, you guys weren't pre-briefed for this. Do y'all have, uh, at the ready and I can, I can go first if, if you need a chance to think, do you have a favorite Superman print story, published story that you would point to? What would you say? For all seasons. It's the Jeff Loeb, Tim sale. Yeah. Jeff Loeb, Tim sale, uh, Superman for all seasons is the one that really, there's plenty that might be cited as objectively stronger, but that one just resonates profoundly with me. So yeah, Superman for all seasons for me. Um, I'll answer and then Ian come to you. So two that readily come to mind. One is Grant Morrison's all-star Superman and Grant Morrison can be batty. No, no DC pun intended. Uh, So all-star Superman does require a little bit of metatextual knowledge, but really kind of, works on a lot of levels um it's kind of his maxi series love letter to the character and the other one that comes to mind i am pretty sure it's kurt Busek. i'm gonna feel real bad if and i didn't because i didn't know i would ask this question so i didn't look it up but secret identity have y'all heard of that i've heard of it i don't know if i've ever secret read identity it. is a really interesting story and that may speak to why thematically i wrestle with these snyder films because the the text is about a meta narrative of a character in the real world reading Superman stories who thus then becomes a Superman character and it, and it, mm. it tracks. So, so it's asking those heroic questions of, of what does it mean to have an exemplar, to follow it, to have power, to, to wield it responsibly, all those sorts of stuff. It's a really lovely story um, that I would encourage folks to check out. Ian, do you have a, a Superman that you would point to? Um, I guess uh, kingdom come maybe. Okay. I thought of kingdom come. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, All right. Any any and, thoughts? And on Kingdom like, Come? All right, did you just did you just scan Wikipedia for hot Superman stories and you're like Kingdom Come that has no no. It's, I, <laughs> there are, I I'll just be honest. I was never like huge. I I had it like an obligatory sense of like, well, I need to like Superman, which is one of the things that goes. You're one of those guys. Uh, being obsessive compulsive, like, well, I have to like all of it. <laughs> um, but, like, well, I like the Clash, so I better like reggae. You know, just all <laughs> sure litanies of stuff that years later I become honest enough to be like, I don't know, it's, I don't really like it. Um, but I Kingdom Come still stands out to me um, because in I don't know in general there's not a lot of um, I like reimaginings of Superman. I guess you know, like, like Red Sun. Oh, Red Sun is um, great. I love I that like story. That. Um, but like Superman Prime never was quite as effective for me generally the big blue boy scout you just couldn't couldn't get on that level huh that wavelength <laughs> you're just too lex you're so lex Ian. <laughs> all right so i'm gonna start with me here and and maybe that i didn't intend this but it is probably the easiest one and that's favorite live action wonder woman it's gal that's there's there's no question one for however much i may struggle or wrestle with the snyder vision of the dc universe his penchant for casting with a with very little exception is impeccable impeccable and and she i mean it's hard to watch whether it's the films he did bbs and and snyder cut or um her proper films and not be like that that's wonder woman and so 
So that's that's my selection there. Reed, what about you? So I'm <laughs> going to join you with love for Miss Godot. Um, I my I, I should acknowledge, or I feel compelled to acknowledge that like one of my earliest um, sort of childhood growing up crushes, screen crushes, was Linda Carter. Um, so a lot of, lot of love for Linda Carter, but I, I have to objectively say like Gal Gadot has absolutely embodied this role in a way that I think, uh, is, is probably our fullest visionary version of, of, uh, on-screen presence for it. So, yep. So I'm with her. Any thoughts on old Diana Prince, Ian? Nope. Pass. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. He's like, pass. You take nope. you take that question and shove it, Mr. Rouse. Yep. <laughs> take it straight back to the mother box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not at the next one yet. Um, okay. Well, if you if you are going to pass on that. Um, our next one, and I'm gonna start with Reed because I am genuinely curious about this. Uh, because what I went after was, of course, the Trinity, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and then a character who has seen multiple iterations uh in live action. Um, and, and just as that enigmatic fella, uh, that, that folks love to play angles on. And so Reed, I'm curious, who is your favorite live action Joker? It's, there's an impulse in my heart that wants to answer differently, but for me, there probably always and forever will be the pristine bullseye that Heath Ledger brought to it um, for like there have been a lot of I mean good lord you what you talk about Keaton's Batman uh, Nicholson in that delivers an incredible so performance good. it's manic and it is um, exuberant there's there's just a ton of wonderful things but I'm telling you man Ledger tapped into something special and I feel like you know and Joaquin does an incredible job and everything but yeah it's it's yeah for me it's ledger i don't think there will ever be an embodiment of the character that i respond to more profoundly than ledger's interpretation in dark knight yep ian you same yeah i i ate my words because i i remember uh being out like record shopping with a friend and someone said hey dude yeah Heath ledger just got cast as uh joker for the next batman movie and i scoffed i was like okay sure right, <laughs> right. cool the 10 things i hate about you guy is <clears throat> awesome. right nice tale suck <laughs> um and then i mean blown away within 30 seconds of his first just appearing on screen right and then yes. doing his magic trick and i'm like this is this there are no other jokers this this is it you had one of those read lackey moments where you're in the theater and you're like is is anybody else seeing this? <laughs> I mean, it was next to me hitting me. It's the Joker. It's the Joker. <laughs> so, so it's hard. Uh, you know, I, it is kind of like the, the Batman struggle. Uh, this one, or I'm sorry, I think uh, it was the Cavill Reeve. Uh, Ledger and Nicholson are really hard to, to toggle between. And in part, it is the sentimentality that I have for, for the 89 uh, uh, Burton film, but also read to your point. I rewatched Nicholson scenes last night and the man is just having a ball. He's having a ball Mm -hmm. and it's hysterical. And to think that that is Jack Nicholson for all the uh, mythology that's now been uh, foisted upon him as a performer is just crazy. 
Um, because it's so not a Nicholson performance. And that's what I think people don't appreciate. Nicholson gets sort of, he's an incredible actor, but he has a lot of the same tricks in his Rolodex. And for Joker, he tosses a lot of the rule book away and does a dramatically kind of different thing that I think is wonderful. Well, and I, specifically, I watched the the art museum uh mm. you know uh, mm. vandalism scene and and there's a moment where, where he's he's just dancing and it's mm-hmm. so dumb like I, like my thought watching the scene as a 41 year old no you know separating myself from the sentimentality was like how did burton get jack nicholson to do that like mm. mm-hmm. and which isn't to suggest that it's bad it's just so you know there's zero ego attached to that performance right. oh yeah um but ultimately uh, I am. I told myself I wouldn't do it. It's Lido. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that is. I'll say it here because I don't want to say it later, and I want to be uh, a, a good sport. Uh, Lido is one of the worst things ever put to film as the Joker. I mm. said it. I'll I'll stand by it. Uh, but <clears throat> yes, Heath Ledger is. He's magnetic. He's charismatic. He's mysterious. Uh, he's sinister. That. Dark Knight is a dangerous film to try to skim because yes. you're like, oh, well, I don't know. I, I love the scene. <laughs> I watch this. Sure. And then like two and a half hours later, like, oh, that was a good breeze through. But <laughs> that opening scene with the 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 familiar Nolan, hum, you know, that's that mm-hmm. introduces the who you think is just a, a, a clown thug on the street corner that propels us into the bank heist. It's it's okay. incredible. And and Ledger is one adjective that that you didn't include. Not, I mean, but he makes the Joker convincing. Like Nicholson is manic and pop art and all this stuff. Sure, but you realize, yeah. like nobody would follow him except for an utter insane group of people. Bob. Yeah, <laughs> that's his number one guy. You're my number one guy. <laughs> um, but Ledger Traffic. manages. Traffic. Now this. I like. <laughs> <laughs> love that joker Um, (laughs) sorry sorry please but no all i was saying is that ledger manages to infuse him with a a, and some of it is the script some of it is the direction but a lot of it is just ledger bringing it to like no i get why the guy is not just scary in the sense of um like oh he can harm you and can do brutal things to you but he's scary in that he has so embraced the psychology of chaos Mm-hmm. That he that he will undermine your moral integrity and your moral fiber with just a few key questions, and that's that's pretty incredible. Uh, I so mean, yeah. especially like when I really start watching The Dark Knight, I forget this is a Batman movie because yeah. the Joker becomes the main yes. character. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Batman is the guy that needs to show up to save the day because no one else is capable of it. But this is a Joker show, yeah, and yeah. you're just watching. You're watching a psychopath um, yeah. having free reign to do exactly whatever yeah. feels like doing this moment. Well, do you want to know which ones of them were cowards? I'm just like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> well, and what's anyway. so interesting, and 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 y'all can pull me away from the ledge if you so desire, I guess. The ledge, <clears throat> but I, I said a very strong thing a minute ago about Lido. About Lido, I'll stand by it. But what what concerns me about the Lido delivery? Because we've had Joaquin as well, too, and Joaquin does not do this. In other words, you can take the right lessons and apply them. But 
it feels like Leto takes all the wrong lessons from Ledger, meaning if you watch, if you just study the Ledger scenes in Dark Knight, the, the, the ticks, the physicality, the, the weird oral fixation he has because of the, yeah. the scarring and stuff like it is, it is a lived in fully embodied role and he just nails it. Uh, yeah. And what I mean by the Leto connection is simply like, you know, Leto's Joker is very much a tick oriented performative. He, yeah. He relies upon affectation as yes. opposed to embodying, <clears throat> you know, what it, what it really um, had to uh, offer anyway. Yes. Thank you for trying to soften that for me. Um, <laughs> so uh, last two questions, I'm going to start with the, the mildly negative and end on us on a positive. Uh, so now let's do focus on the DCEU. We, we were speaking broadly to live action DC, but DCEU specifically as inaugurated with man of steel. What is your um, least favorite DCEU film? Have fun with it if you want, but um I'll I'll start. I think uh, I think I'll go first on this one. And in what before the last week I would have said is a crowded field. Um, I think the one that stood out the most, and see that was a positive wrapped in a in a <laughs> smart alecky comment. Um, uh, I think the one that stands out the most, and I'll never revisit. Uh, and I suppose, admittedly, uh, the fact that I haven't watched it in its entirety should say something is the Suicide Squad. I went to see this film on a screener at a theater watched 95% of it and walked out with like 10 minutes left. I was like, this is awful. Um, it's so, I love the idea that there's a, a better buried film somewhere out there for this. Well, would I revisit that? Uh, highly doubtful, but um, now full credit where it's due, uh, continuing the trend here. I think Margot Robbie is expertly cast as Harley mm -hmm. Quinn. She is fantastic. There's a reason she got her own film. Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, but it is, it is a bad movie. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that, that'd be my pick for that. Reed, what about you? What would, what would be your least favorite DCEU film? So prior to your announcing suicide squad, I, sort of thought that was going to be the de facto answer. Um, but if I'm being transparent and I'm doing a kind of a deliberate thing with a question I know is coming a little bit later, uh, my least favorite DCEU film is Joss Whedon's Justice okay. League. <clears throat> That's my least favorite one. Well, and uh, I should yeah. I should own this because I forgot to mention it. I ha I actually have not seen the Whedon cut. I, the yeah, I, I, I haven't seen that or Aquaman. So oh, I'll, okay. I'll own that. I meant to get around to Aquaman and just just haven't. So so yeah, I can't speak to the Whedon yeah. cut. So but yeah, it's uh, it's dreadful, and the less said about it, the better. So so Joss Whedon's Justice League is my least favorite of the DCEU films. Okay, what about you, Ian? Oh, hard. Same. It, yeah. it, it is stunning to me <clears throat> that there are people that make six figures a year that still have their jobs. And they said, this is what we're going with. You right. send it out. Yeah, Let's right. get it circulated internationally. With the weed and cut of just <laughs> it is. It is now irredeemably so, terrible. So really funny story there is that I think I've shared with y'all is probably about I two agree. years ago. Huh? <laughs> I agree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> About two years ago, uh, whenever the film hit uh, uh, home viewing, because it, it got such abominable reviews, I already had, uh, you know, a, a difficult relationship with this universe of films. Um, once all those reviews came in, I was like, ah, okay, I'm not going to go to the theater. Well, when it hit home viewing, 
because I'm like, you, I'm not OCD. Like you would describe yourself, Ian, but I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I want, I want to be a fan, right? You, mm. you, you, you see you rise right? of Skywalker when it comes out we and we do. know. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Yeah. It got real. So, it got real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it up top um, with questions like, what's your least favorite film? But so, so it, uh, Whedon Cut, Justice League hits home viewing. I'm home by myself one weekend, which never happens. And y'all, I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch the Whedon Justice League. I, I know the raft of negative publicity it had gotten. I was ambivalent towards the Snyder of everything. So I, I wasn't, I didn't have a horse in that particular race. <laughs> I, I went to iTunes and I queued up the title screen, like had not paid to rent it. And like, like, like a man, like a deer in headlights. That's the best analogy that comes to me. I just stared at the screen for like two minutes with this title screen on. And so many thoughts went through my brain. And I think the final one was simply like, life's too short. <laughs> and uh, I didn't do it. I didn't do yeah. it. I had the wherewithal and presence of mind to just be like, I'm good. I am good. I don't know how I'm achieving this, but I'm good. And I'm not going to turn it on. Um, but to your point, Ian, about uh, someone greenlighting it. Uh, I thought that about the Dark Tower. I know we're all king heads here. I remember watching the Dark mm. Tower film and thinking, they just had a deadline to meet. That's it. Someone, right. someone just said, you're done guys. You're done. Just yeah, yeah. get it out. Just get it out the door. Just, this is only an hour and a half long. It's fine. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, uh, anyway, anyway. Okay. So we've talked about our least favorite DCEU films. Now what's your favorite, uh, Reed, I'm going to start with you and we'll go in okay. cycle here to Ian next. What is your favorite as you scan the horizon of DCEU films of which I don't actually know how many there are, but what 10 or so 10, Maybe. ish yeah um, um what would you identify as a favorite for you zach snyder's justice league wow. zach, Snyder, zach snyder's justice league is my favorite dceu film um there's a lot wrapped up in the meta information around that sure but when i'm honest with myself about the viewing experience i had uh that that did more to ignite my imagination than any of the other DCEU films have done up to this point. So yes, my okay. my definitive cool. favorite is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. I like it. Ian, what about you? I I am shocked to say this. I feel like Balaam because <laughs> it's coming out of an ass. <laughs> um, but Zack Snyder. Am I saying this right now? Zack Zach, wow. League is is my favorite. Like, <laughs> what is? <laughs> Hold it back. Are you okay? You've been behind it the entire time. <laughs> um, that feels as forced as anyone saying anything about Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker. Sure, yeah. Um, but I, I'll be damned. I just, I had fun watching it sometimes. Me too. Yes. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, how is this possible? But, but I think that, I think it goes to show that I don't have uh, uh, a Marvel versus DC axe to grind. Sure. Like I, right. I want Justice League to succeed. Yeah, right. I right. like the characters. I have nothing to gain by them falling flat on their face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. And somehow, like this is this is like when the 
the girl that you're friends with in high school is like you're at the same party and then she's leaving with that guy and he's drunk and you're like oh this is a bad idea and somehow she makes it home safely what an analogy this week this, on that's, analogies that's by Ian. home it hit yeah. <laughs> like we did it Casey, she's you're there. alive like, <laughs> oh wow wow <laughs> yeah okay so I wrestled with this one. I I am not going to pick Snyder Cut, not because I actually don't think it's competent. I do think it's very competent and or good. Um, But I am, I think, going to surprise myself, much like Ian here in a second. I really, I really wrestled with making my choice the first Wonder Woman Um, Hmm. because I actually think very highly of Patty Jenkins' work on those films. uh, And we can talk or quibble about um, the second film. But, and in fact, I would say thematically, I think I like Wonder Woman 84 at the top of the heap. I I love what it does thematically. It's just a bit Mm -hmm. of a mess otherwise. Um, For the first Wonder Woman film, the last act kind of just, just, it's like someone tied a cinder block around its feet and threw it in in Gotham Harbor. It's like, oh my God, what what happened to this movie? Lord have mercy. Like like Maroney, Maroney got to somebody there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so in utter like yo read read we've done this show for four and a half years how many pot shots have i taken at this damn movie i really like the ultimate edition of batman versus superman there it is there i was like is. Yeah. what is happening right now i yeah it's crazy i love this weird moment that's happening between the three of us who like just fanboy extraordinaire over infinity war and Endgame last year we we feel like strangers to each other and to ourselves right now that is the moment that's yes. happening yeah we're like who are we? <laughs> like oh lord i'm gonna join you in the sun we're, like, you know i mean <laughs> so so um i'll get into this a little later but i rewatched man of steel and and friggin bbs doj ue uh with an open heart and it, watching Batman vs Superman, there are a few key problematic, key very key fundamental problematic elements with it. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, this is kind of fun, mm-hmm. and it kind of it kind of works from us from a plot standpoint. Uh, the Batman warehouse fight is friggin' awesome. Yes. That yeah, um, that's killer. Bad rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have enough objectivity to recognize yeah, that was great that. so so i wanted to i wanted to leave mother box one with steppenwolf in good hands in in, in a positive place uh so now we need to go find for him uh mother box number two um <laughs> the parademon smell it <laughs> oh man are we recording um <laughs> I feel like I'm having an out of body experience if I'm being perfectly honest here. So mother box number two, I wanted, I wanted to just have some cursory talk about the Snyder cut. Don't okay. as best you can avoid some of the thematic elements yet, because I do feel like we'll, we'll, we'll run headlong into that. Um, so, so give uh, uh, land ultimately uh, at some be didactic here three favorite things three favorite scenes three favorite performances whatever you know mix it up however you want that's where we're going to land but i want to start with just a cursory experience of it um 
Ian, I'll start with you with the Snyder cut. Uh, so, so what was your general take? What was your viewing experience like? Uh, and then hold your three until we all do that. And then we'll all do our three. Mm. Okay. Yep. Circle. Yeah. This is, this is, uh, you're absolutely right. This is so weird to report because I mean, this has just been fodder for jokes for months. Like, Oh, months. The Snyder cut is going to see the light of day. Like, Oh, yeah. Enter Michael Keaton, Jeff, you know, uh, um, like, okay. <laughs> And then, oh, it's going to be four hours long. Okay. And, <laughs> um, Enter Jeff Goblin. Jeff. Well, well, there, there it, it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> and I've just been, dude, I've just been like roasting it for weeks on end. Like, this is obviously going to be terrible. Like, I, we, <laughs> we, will, we will remember fondly the days of the theatrical cut. <clears throat> And then, you know, in the days leading up to it, my good friend Caleb says, man, that was my movie of 2021. And I was like, now, maybe it's good, but there is seven short year, though, of the year left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want to make that call yet. <clears throat> um, but then I, you know, I just try to do some hard examination. And then I just like I was telling you guys, like, I don't want the Justice League to fail. So right. I, I just tried to cleanse myself of all the animus towards Snyder and just give it a shot. And I know that absolute utter objectivity <clears throat> never entirely possible. And yet, like in that opening sequence, I was like, holy mackerel, this is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. This is actually Snyder doing something interesting instead of just his usual like, uh, here's the slow motion sequence with a Nick Cave song. Um, <laughs> it, it, and just, it made more, it was more coherent than anything that I could remember from him. And I found myself having fun. And um, did you, did you refresh at all before jumping into it? Uh, no, other films? no, no, Lord. No, <laughs> no, I wanted to, I wanted to enter. On a, so you wanted I, to what? I wanted to end her on a high note sure. with uh, good faith towards it. So <laughs> I absolutely kept all other DC movies at bay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I watched the warehouse fight because every now and then I get pissed off at work and I'm like, I need some bat fleck crushing yeah. skulls. <laughs> sure. You know? But like, dude, I, I can't stand bats V soups. Like my least favorite thing is Batman emails Wonder Woman. And then when she shows up, Superman's like, who's she? I thought she was with you. Like, you sure. just run Gmail with her. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. No, but he ends it with, who are you? So maybe he's really just confused. Maybe that's it. He got hit in the head a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, like, one too many punches to the head. Where, where, where am I right now? Am I Will Arnett? No parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's so many places we could go with that. Um, any other thoughts on your, That's my experience. your experience? Okay, I, I I love it. So so I did do some extra homework because I mean, read this is the year of the mea culpa from your boy here because Stranger Things two happened. Um, yeah. you know, and and I've owned some some softening towards that and. Part of it is that wrestling we all do from time to time. It's like, am I crazy or is everybody else crazy? And <laughs> so, so knowing Snyder Cut was coming, I was like, 
I'm going to do it. My, I did have another, uh, I don't know. I had some, I can't, w- w- there's been some comings and goings in my house lately. And it, it, I had some free time, which clearly meant two and a half hours for man of steel, three hours for friggin' BBS DOJ UE, um, which is pff, a mouthful, even abbreviated. Um, <laughs> and so I did, but I intentionally set out, I was like, I know there's going to be some, some landmines for me in a real fundamental way in a couple of places, but can I set aside the, the, you know, kind of weirdness I felt to these films over the years and find what other people are seeing. And y'all will recall a week and a half ago, whenever it was, I was watching man of steel and I started texting you guys and I was like, Oh, <laughs> 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 the, the, the Grinch's heart is swelling here. Um, and so I, I had a positive experience of the two of those first films prepping for Snyder Cut. And I, I won't, um, I, I did not love Snyder Cut, but y'all had both seen Whedon Justice League. So had yes. a template to, to compare to that, that I didn't have. I don't dislike it by any means. Um, and in fact, enjoyed the watching of it. If that makes any sense, like, yeah. like it, I, I had had to split it over several sittings, like many will, but I found myself compelled. I was like, okay, okay. I got to stop here. I'm going to go back. It wasn't work to get through. Um, it was interesting seeing these characters. I love most of these actors. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't love, uh, there, there are things about it. I, I don't really love, but, but on the whole, uh, it felt like, it felt like these three films clicked for me in a way that that the work Snyder had done and the people who'd seen it in it. I need to own. I need someone to pat me on the back for adulting here, but <laughs> for seeing the vision that other people had already seen, even with my qualms that still do exist, I was like, okay, I can kind of get what's being put down here, uh, even if I don't love everything about it. So that was my experience of the four hours of Snyder Cut. Reed, what about you? So I did similar homework. I approached this exercise as if I was watching. This is just a weird mental sort of hiccup I did. I approached the exercise <clears throat> as if I was watching <laughs> a season of TV on Netflix or something. Sure. You, you know, four hours of the Snyder Cut, three hours of Batman versus Superman, and you know, Man of Steel's two and a half. So it's like, okay, well, let's let me mentally think. Okay, this is the first hour of a TV series and everything, and view it as sure. a full arc. You know, sort of like right. a full uh, visionary arc. And now, for me, when I rewatched Man of Steel, I came away feeling largely the same way that I have. Uh, I had already given it a second chance to sort of win me over. Uh, several years ago or a few years ago, uh, and it did not do so. So uh, this time around was no different. I actively dislike Man of Steel. We can get into that or or not as we want to. Batman versus Superman, I still largely feel the same way I did about it, even after the Ultimate Edition, which is that there are some things that I think work really well and some things that I uh, don't respond to as positively. Um, but you know, I was ramping up into it and I was like, okay, would you, can I interrupt to ask because we are peers having this conversation and I'm as much formed by y'all's input, um, in this, did you, would you have said you went into BVS, uh, was your previous experience with BVS neutral to negative and did that change? Um, it was almost firmly neutral. 
I would say probably not negative. The things about it that don't work for me, I'm objective. I'm, I'm subjective enough to recognize like they don't work for me. That doesn't necessarily mean they're objectively bad from my perspective. Um, they just don't work for me. So I was very neutral this time around. I, I'll, I'll, I'll use my letterbox rating as a, as a sort of a gauge. Um, I'm a very generous letterbox rater. So I tend to give a lot of four and five stars. If I respond positively to something, my first viewing of it was three stars this time around was three and a half. So a little bit of an uptick, sure, sure. not a major, <clears throat> you know, uh, volcanic sort of sweep uh, in a different direction. So I, that was how I was going into justice league was having watched those other two. And I was like, okay, all right, well, I'm, I'm in for it now. Let's see what you got. I was maybe 30 minutes in to Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League. When I remember actively thinking, holy crap, that like, I like this. This is not, to your point, this is not work. I am enjoying myself. This is interesting. This is uh, epic. It is compelling narratively. (laughs) Like, uh, just so many things that I was just really responding to, to the degree that it made me wonder. And I don't know, because many people have scoffed at the four-hour runtime uh, Zack Snyder in the way that we love Stephen King sometimes because the man does not know how to leave something out of the equation. Um, I wonder sometimes if those two earlier films, if Zack Snyder had been given indefinite reign in like a long form TV series format or something, if maybe the stories he was scratching at in those other versions would have, I might've responded a bit more strongly. Most, most of what I don't like about those first two films um, it, it revolves around thematic interpretations of the characters. Um, whereas when we're in on justice league and I'm seeing, you know, from the open, because the, the opening of the original one is just this ridiculous sort of like box check of, oh yeah, it wasn't Superman, you know, a figure of hope or whatever. Whereas this one starts you off in the trenches, you know, like it starts you off with this whole, like, oh yeah, Superman has died and that has sent literal shockwaves around the, the globe. And so then right it progresses to this sort of, uh, you know, well, now here's what has to come in the aftermath of that in ways that I just immediately found very, very compelling. I was, I mocked and scoffed when people were like, no, 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 you don't understand. Joss Whedon's Justice League only used about 10% of Snyder's vision. And I was like, that is not possible. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, what are you talking about? That's not, yeah, like, sure. sure. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. That's cute. Keaton. And masks don't work. Right. Okay. No, no, no. So, so, but Ooh. like, but then I'm sitting here watching this thing, and honest to God, 10% of this movie would be about like under 30 minutes. I think that's about what I remembered of the of the the original theatrical cut of Justice League was about under 30 minutes. This was almost an enti- this was almost an entirely new thing. I was seeing tons of scenes that I was like there was no version of that. There wasn't even a shortened version of that. Like there was no iteration of what I just saw and it's rich character stuff yeah. and it's interesting sort of stakes raising kind of stuff and I'm like man there was none of that in the original to the degree that made me feel uh like already kind of happy for the people that were yelling and and screaming for this for so long because i'm like this is this is kind of a shockwave to my system of the people who uh you know would would sort of be in a boat and i still have my issues with sort of the the mob mentality that can kind of arise but when you know a person's vision a person's creative vision 
has been just decimated and you know that there's a possibility of seeing that vision in the real it's like man big props to warner brothers and to hbo max for shelling out you know it, clearly it was a consumer opportunity and there was it wasn't sure. benevolent on their part but they still clearly by, by being willing to drop a four-hour film on there they clearly gave him some some carte blanche to do what he wanted to do and I think to that end, it's admirable because this is that was my experience of it. About an hour, about a half hour to an hour in, I was really bought in. About two hours in, man, I was I was intending to take breaks and c- did not want to stop. And I just so had a I picture just, of Reed rocking by the end of it, needing to pee real bad. Like, <laughs> come on, man, come on, just get no, the, but I, Mountain Dew the entire time, though. That's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> fill the coffers, fill the coffers. It's gonna be worth it. But yeah. no, <laughs> but no, honestly, but honestly, like I just, I, res- I responded very strongly to it. I was that's moved cool. emotionally. I was engaged mentally. Um, there's there's some great thematic stuff going on in this one. I think that's very interesting. And and yeah, I. I don't love the epilogue. We we can spend time there or not, but the the piece, the core material, sure around the Justice League story. Like, oh my gosh, I'll I'll watch it again. I I know point blank that that sometime in the near future I will watch it again and and do so you know open heartedly. I, I I loved it. Yeah, I did. He said it. All right, let's do this. I asked y'all to think about three things. I don't don't feel any need to rank them, but so that we're not stepping on each other's toes, let's go person by person with one thing each. And then if we, ex- if we exhaust your, you know, if, if I've got two things and y'all name those two things, I'm not going to hunt for other things. We'll just move on sure. to the next part yeah, of the conversation. Yeah. So Ian, let's start with you. Um, what is one of the things, what I asked listener was uh, Reed and Ian to just name a favorite scene, a favorite moment uh, in what fog language would typically be the likes, dislikes. This is what we're doing here. Uh, so Ian, what's just something you would highlight of Justice League? I really loved this thing. Um just more uh, time with Barry Allen. Um, hmm. Like the rushing through the glass door. Yeah. Uh, and this is, this is fraught because uh, I don't like that. There's a dumb truck driver who's trying to reach a sandwich. Sure. Yeah. You know, like that's stupid. And that's typical Snyder. Like, Oh, these dumb peons endangering people because they want their sandwich. But I love Barry Allen. The flash is my favorite DC huh. character. Did not know that. All right. And I really like, I like Ezra Miller's interpretation of Barry Allen. It's not, it's not the Barry that, I, okay, my flash is terminal velocity flash, but I like different iterations of the flash and I love just having more of a Barry. And, and that was a, for those, for those of us not schooled in the, the Barry, uh, um, catalog, is that a particular run? Is that no pun intended on flash? Is that a, is that an arc? Terminal velocity. Yes, yes. It uh, it was it was like a six to eight issue run that culminated in Flash number one hundred back in the mid nineties, um, and was just a you had uh, a few generations of uh, speedsters uh, in it, and it was just a th- that was my I don't know my golden era of uh, DC appreciation where sure Flash was my guy. Um, and, and what I like is that there is something that is, so do you remember, um, it was announced that there would be two twins with superpowers introduced in Avengers age of Ultron and then X-Men being the lame ducks that they are. We're like, Oh yeah. So we, we have a fast mutant too coming up. (laughs) And then like they had Quicksilver and 
admittedly has a cool scene. Right. One of the only cool parts of a really bad franchise. Um, but I like that Flash's sequences are interesting visually and they do something different beyond just like the fun mayhem of sure. like Quicksilver. And it, uh, it, it's, I don't know. I, I find them kind of beautiful and it does a good job of um, delineating the power bases of mm-hmm. each of our heroes. Sure. It's funny. Uh, I, I actually for a little while really enjoyed the flash TV show with Grant Gustin. Um, mm-hmm. It was, it was highly entertaining. Uh, it, like a lot of those CW shows, you start to lose your way in terms of being able to focus on it week to week. But um <laughs> I did I I really enjoyed like you described the articulation the visualization of his of his power set that said it is really funny maybe unintentionally so when flash trips like when he busts his foot it's like yeah. I, I was like yeah, really that's what that's what just happened like your your thing is running and you tripped like i guess you had one job <laughs> and, right right yes absolutely it reminds me uh, there's an old chris rock bed where he's i don't even, oh yeah, it's really, uh, it's, I just remembered the source of it, but uh, a spinoff of it that is less uh, off-colored is, uh, he's like, you know, it's like Aquaman drowning in the tub, you know? <laughs> it's like Hulk got the gout, you know? It's like Flash, Flash done busted, got a corn on his toe. Um, okay, cool. So your choice there would be a the the how the Flash is done in the film. Um, mine are mostly going to be just parts of the film, and I'm going to start right at the very beginning before potentially someone takes it. I was really for my struggles with the, the, uh, with the interpretation of Superman in these films, I kind of loved the, the, the death cry heard throughout the globe. Yeah. Mm. I, I thought this is really, I don't know how I feel about this in total, but what, Snyder does incredibly well in these films is cast these as as mythic giant characters like they are they are gods and and so this very you know epic mythological kind of being that is superman upon death the cry that pours forth is sends shockwaves throughout the globe and 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 on top of that serves a plot function as well because it ignites these mother boxes right um, but no I, I was really moved and kind of awe struck by that sequence i was like okay yeah. this is kind of cool and kind of effective. Yeah. Yeah. what about you reed so uh i'm gonna uh, because it was tangential in one of mine that i was going to mention i'm gonna you know second ian's love for flash stuff he didn't mention the presence of Billy Crudup, who I did not remember from the Justice League theatrical at all. Um, and a lot of that stuff I found very moving. Um, and so, yeah, just huge props on that. Um, I will mention, you said we're not ranking these. So yeah, I will mention to piggyback off of, <laughs> this is what I wrote down to cite as one of my uh, loves. Uh, you mentioned the shockwave when Superman dies. I had literally wrote down Superman Returns. And for me, this film was the first one. Like, I have a lot of difficulties with what Snyder tries to do with Superman. Um, his iteration in this specific vision for Justice League, Superman, like, I got chills 
when they're standing around the mother box and they're talking about how this mother box could turn smoke back into a house. Mm -hmm. And then it, I think it's flash who says, okay, are we all thinking the same thing? And then cyborg causes a visualization of Superman on top of the mother box. And that score kicks in and I'm sitting there and like that gum I'm getting like, I'm getting all the feels about this, you know, and it has a gravity to it that, Honest to God, I can remember conversations around the theatrical cut where it was talked about like, of course, they're trying to hold back that Superman's going to come back from all the promotional material and whatever. They're holding it back. They're going to keep it a secret or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it felt so inevitable and it felt so pedantic in the first iteration. And I was yeah. just like, I was so energized. I was, I was absolutely electric when they start talking about bringing him back and the gravity of that moment and everything. But then, oh my gosh. When Steppenwolf is about to, you see his progression. He's going through, he's back at the farm. He's right. visiting all these different places. But Steppenwolf starts to bring that axe down and hits Superman's shoulder. And he, and he blows it to like cool it down. And he's like, not impressed. I'm like, that, that's Superman right there. That's the power that Superman can bring when he shows up on the scene to take care of business. Because in my understanding and experience of the first two films, Superman never got a moment like that. There's none of his big save the day moments in the first two films that made me feel like, okay, yeah, great. This is, this is that, you know, from, from the original, from the you know, Superman returns, the, where he, you know, rescues the plane, that moment that you always yeah. look for, where it's yeah. like, here I come to save the day. But when he jumps in and stops stepping away from, yeah, that's true. But, um, but you know, the, sure. the, the yep. spirit. Um, so then when he, when the, um, <laughs> axe comes down and it collides with superman's shoulder i was just very i was like yes superman's back and this is a really this is really which is funny because like i i am thrilled that that scene worked for you um and and i think a lot of what i'm learning in walking through these films again and this one for the first time is just this this sort of helpless feeling of like i i don't know what i feel about a lot of things but i actually <laughs> I, I actually didn't I thought his re-entry there, his re-entry there was a little, I hated the scripting. I, I was like, what? Oh, mm. it's an odd line for, for this character to, to join the fight again. But my apologies. I, I, that, that's a, a mean friend thing to do to critique your like there. No, no, no. Um, that's, that's, that's okay. uh, trying to be adults here. Um, uh, Ian, what is, what is the next choice you would have from your, enjoyment of Snyder Cut. I'll, I promise I'll try not to pick it apart. Okay. Um, <laughs> promise. I pr- yeah. <laughs> um, <Soft> promise. Because <laughs> it kind of feels personal. To me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> so when uh, Batman looks over and uh, Joker um, said, I'm, I'm completely kidding. I was going to oh, say, oh, I was, I was like, like, no, it's, oh, it's no. terrible. Um, you're baiting Zach Galifianakis you're baiting is a better me. Joker. <laughs> no, no. I was like, oh no, I'm, this is gonna be <laughs> what work. Have I done? <laughs> <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> I'm gonna have to eat my own words. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, in honesty, it's that's one of the biggest differences that I noted between the theatrical and this. Um, the the Snyder cut is plotting Superman's return doesn't feel like a foregone conclusion when we reach it in the Snyder cut. Mm. Um, it actually seems like, well, 
So we could do this. Right. Right. And it just, yes, I, 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 I know obviously Superman, it's not justice league without Superman, but, but that's why I like that. Batman says there is no us without him. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I was kind of like, all right, let's get the bro back and let's beat some parademons up. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. It, it just worked out so much better. Um, than in the theatrical cut, it actually felt like, um, the, the next link in this chain of how do we resolve this dilemma and, 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 and like an actually natural progression, uh, towards that conclusion. Um, and, and made the team a team without, I, I've been, I have been trying to talk about this movie only on its own merits and on its own terms and not invoke that other huge franchise. Sure. Yeah. But it doesn't just ape beats from like the Avengers, like coming together. Um, Mm -hmm. so we get a team dynamic on its own terms and and Batman is the one who is like gelling them, and sure. it's yeah. it's it's kind of cool that the guy who's like, well, obviously I need to kill Superman. Right. <laughs> he's like me. He's like, let me rethink. Let me rethink some choices here. <laughs> I got to rethink my take. He, he watched the it. Ultimate Edition, and he's like, you know, <laughs> there's a mirror. There's a mirror in front of me. <laughs> All of us <laughs> bring him back. Just think about it. I know I tried to kill him. Okay, <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> but here's the thing: like, I didn't remember it. I didn't remember it from this. But like, Batman straight up gets converted. Like, look, Snyder is positioning Superman as a Christ figure, and then Batman talking about faith every other sentence. I was like, man, like he's like Batman's undergone this sort of like uh, almost a a a Justice League iteration of like a conversion experience a little yeah. bit. It really, yeah, yeah. It, it it's brightened him up to that degree, you know. And he's and he is he's bringing everybody together and everything. And that God, that's that was impressive to see. And I thought that was really um, a, a pretty impressive pivot from if 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 batman in in batman versus superman if bruce wayne still a, a, an incredibly energizing moment bruce wayne running headlong into the swelling fog of smoke from the building burning and bruce wayne charging into the fray that everybody else is running yeah. away from yes that is a direct response to the destruction from man of steel yes Batman and Bruce Wayne in Zack Snyder's Justice League is a direct response to the vengeful sort of, you know, Batman figure in Batman versus Superman to the degree that he's like, no, this is I am going to be a beacon of hope, not just a a weapon of vengeance. And, I'd and it, it actually makes sense in this yes. iteration. Yeah, absolutely. Weed and Batfleck doesn't make a lick of sense. No, 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 not at all. So yeah, I no, I I yeah, I seconded. Um thank you for not tearing it down. I have nothing to tear down. <laughs> Man, I'm just, I was thinking I'm read. trying to I was adopt read, oh, but okay, your guilty okay. conscience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to adopt a position of humility um until I can't resist anymore and then it comes out. Um comes roaring to life. Um I uh my second of three and and my third one is is maybe the least of of them but so my second of three that maybe conjures for me read what the scene you cited did for you is what i 
lovingly referred to as the my two dads scene um and that's clark wandering the halls of the kryptonian ship Lord while mercy Costner and crow's voiceovers are speaking in tandem into his being i mean that i almost got teary well, during that scene i mean you should uh no um feel it feel it brother um because yeah. here here's flirting with thematic conversation there's a lot of ways in which uh uh zack snyder's superman is a symbol without substance and yet when the symbol works it works excellently and that's one of those moments where it's like okay i don't know that the 10 hours that got us here uh fully earns this moment for me but i do love this moment if that makes mm. any sense whatsoever. yes absolutely um, i don't actually mean that as a backhanded compliment despite the fact that it may have sounded that way um because i think at its core that three minute sequence is what i want out of a out of a broader take on this character man yeah it's yeah. it's really really affecting it's it's very very affecting and I, yeah i loved it i absolutely loved it what about you reed um okay so i had already sort of given some love to to batman and superman and everything um one thing that again you would all i would only appreciate having seen the theatrical cut so maybe ian you'll understand what i mean when i come to Steppenwolf actually has an understandable reason to be doing what he's doing. And he's actually got some gravity and some stakes in being the villain. Cause good Lord, he was a, he was a shiny prop in the two hour version. But while I'm not on board with what he's trying to do for obvious reasons, I understand it and, and feel some gravity in the moments when he's talking to Desaad and then feel electricity on his part when, uh, Desaad goes and gets Darkseid because he has found the anti-life equation on this place, you know, and everything. And so as a villain, there's some legitimate stakes that that uh, add some gravity and some weight to everything that uh, that has to take place. And so I really appreciated it. I appreciated the time spent with the villain because it makes me understand what is at work in this conflict that's emerging in the big fight scenes, which in other iterations, you cut all of that out and all you have is a shiny prop. And there have been times before, again, t taking a cue from Ian, take it on its own merits or whatever. You know, there have been some times before as much as the three of us will heap a mountain of love of, upon the MCU, they do have a relative villain problem in most of their films of the villain being little more than just a prop to propel the plot forward. Um, and so, you know, this, it doesn't quite touch Thanos level for me in terms of like substantiating a villain's reason for doing what they're doing, but it's, it, it's pretty solid. Steppenwolf's uh, intentions and his goals and what he's doing uh, makes perfect sense in the movie and has real gravity. And I appreciated that about this cut. So Steppenwolf. I told myself I wouldn't. So, but this is about a conversation and I, I, uh, me interjecting is about owning that. I don't quite see what you see though. I'm thrilled you see it. And I wonder if having not seen the Whedon cut kind of, impairs me to have the comparison energy you're bringing i there. absolutely feel it does yeah. because because i watch it and and i think Steppenwolf is fine but that's about it mm -hmm. and and in a world of thanos where he exists as a pop cultural icon that he does now which is just crazy to think about right it's hard to not feel like okay i'm just watching the adventures of ebony maw be bopping around the galaxy on behalf of 
Thanos. And whereas, yeah. you know, um, but I, I mean, I love that, that that feels as visible to y'all as it seems to, for me, it was, he, he, he distinguishes himself more than Malketh say, uh, but, uh, you know, still, still is several notches below. So Ian, Ian has something he wants to say, yeah, and I'm going to yeah, let please. him in a second, but hold well, tight, Nebula. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but, but at the risk, at the severe risk of being too dismissive, I feel like a lot of your pushback is substanced in the fact that you have nothing to compare it to. And well, so, and, and which yeah. you called out, but I'm, yeah. and so I'm not to say that they would not be criticisms had you seen the Whedon cut. But I'm just like, I could not escape watching it being like, dang, that makes so much more sense now. And I understand that now. And, I, and so I think it elevated a lot of that material, knowing that we were coming from like, oh, the four page children's book of just like a rough sketch of the thing. And sure, now we have sure. like an actual mature artist rendering of this same piece. Naturally, I'm going to be quite awed by it. Yeah, 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 here? yeah. What were you going to say, Ian? Well, I, and I would just add, like, I think that what Nathan said is exactly correct about Stephen Wolf. It's fine. Mm. And, and it's exactly like both of you are saying where fine as compared to Zill is infinite. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it, it, it has gone from Stephen, Stephen Wolf. Stephen Wolf was a completely forgettable, crappy CGI render yeah. in the theatrical cut of Justice League, who is here because we need to have a big bad. And yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. What is he doing here? Yeah. I, I mean, it would even at the level of just fine, it at least removes some of those obstacles of like imaginative resistance. Because I remember sure. watching the theatrical cut, and I'm like, so he goes to the mother. He needs the mother boxes. Does he need them to come to Earth? Well, no, because they just woke up. He got there first. What the hell is going on? Oh my god, <laughs> it's terrible! It's terrible. <laughs> But yeah. so even just the fine, and I would, I completely agree. That's all it is. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he is, he is the Melkef of the DCEU. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll take sure, the substantiation sure. that he gets. And that's to, to lead into what my contribution to this part would be. Yeah. Just having dark side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is huge. He is, uh, he looks cool. Um, I mean, it's just kind of, as a comic nerd, like the same way, the same way that I'm sitting in there during the first Avengers and then like a head turns around. And I'm like, oh, it's Thanos. <laughs> you know? like, uh, and the same way, like, dude, it's dark side. And I yeah. knew, I mean, I, I knew that from the nightmare sequences of bats V suits, but that's, that was another one of the, I mean, in the long list of disappointments, things that I hate about the theatrical cut. It was like, you send this lackey, no offense, Reed, you send this lackey, Stefan Wolf, <laughs> when Darkseid could have been right, right. alluded to. I mean, don't show him, fine, but just like, I was even alluded to. Darkseid, right? You're like something. But instead, no you have this paper mache guy with Loki <laughs> horns. <laughs> And bug soldiers. Right. Why? Terrible. <laughs> yeah. So terrible. Any sense. Sure. So terrible. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> now, Ian, do you, was that your third uh, affirming read? Okay. 
Uh, my third, do you, is there, do, you've got a third coming to read? Is I do. Right? Mm-hmm. Are you, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my third is just, I love the scene, uh, between, uh, the Amazons and Steppenwolf at the front end specifically. I alluded to it already, but, um, I, I gotta, uh, intentionally flip over to it here. Um, I love Steppenwolf says, I will bathe in your fear. Uh, 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 you know, Jen a says, Daughters of Themyscira, show him your fear, and they all yell, "We have no fear." That's that is, awesome. It's awesome. That it's awesome. amazing, especially yeah. for my affection of those Jenkins films. Uh, it was a very cool uh, sort of articulation of that it's world. Awesome. So yeah. yeah, that was it's my awesome. third thing. What about you, Reed? So uh, I'm kind of glad that that I get to introduce this to it, but we haven't brought him up yet. Like again, Nathan, you haven't seen the theatrical cut. Uh, talk about going from a prop to a vital piece of the narrative is old cyborg. Old cyborg, cyborg. old cyborg, good old cyborg. Like honestly, it's kind of, and I'm I'm actively because I don't know a lot of the details. I'm actively resisting the de- you know bringing up too many of the details of sure. the, like the Ray Fisher controversy again because I have not done my homework, so I can't speak to it too definitively. Uh, putting an asterisk on it to cast it aside, the comparison of the treatment of the character, just talking about the treatment of the character from the theatrical cut versus this one is shameful. What happens in the theatrical cut? Wow. He, he is a, he is an indistinguishable plot. He is an also ran at, at the very definition, but in this one, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the tension in his relationship with his father. And I'm feeling the stakes when he saves him and then the stakes when he can't save him and the way he is integral into the substance of resolving this threat and and the way that his character, you know, I and and I'll be honest that I feel like as a purely objective view of Ray Fisher's performance, I think it's marginal. I think that is just kind of fine. I think Ray Fisher does a good job. I was not utterly, imp- I was not utterly impressed with his performance taken in isolation. That having been said, the treatment of the character is amazing to the, to the degree that I really was like, I, this is not hyperbole. I was like, thank God this version of it exists for Ray Fisher and Ezra sure. Miller's yeah. you know, behalf. Like, oh my God, they're doing some wonderful things that never got to be seen. And it was really very emotional. Flash and Cyborg in general, but also I would throw some love uh, to Ben Affleck as well. Um, that some of those scenes that got excised when you literally have to eliminate half of the footage you've shot, at least half, um, it just really like when w- that visualization, when cyborg is kind of connected to it and then it transforms to where he's no longer cyborg. He's just himself yeah, yeah. in the iteration. I was like, we got none of that that I remembered from the original version. And so I thought that was a really impressive kind of visualization of like, Oh, this is my visual cue that he's connected to whatever he's doing and he's visualizing it. He's, uh, you know, manipulating it or whatever it is. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I, I found it just really very heart swelling to see like, Oh my Lord, what a wonderful experience this must be for those people as creative actors. And just for any fans of those characters to finally, for the love of God, get to see these stories. Um, and so, yeah, huge, huge loves my, my, my next one. And I, we didn't rank them. I would be hard pressed to rank the other ones, but unequivocally, my number one would be that cyborg finally gets his day. Um, cause I couldn't, as a character, I couldn't care less about cyborg. I'm talking about from the comic stuff. Like I, sure, I right. mean, whatever, 
but I really care about this version of the character in this film. He's uh, he he's something, and so yeah, I love that. That's so, cool. That's that. Yep. And I I just want to add like, and I feel the same way because I had the skepticism initially. I was like, we have Justice League with Cyborg, but not Green Lantern. This is mm. not Justice League. Mm. So the theatrical cut offered no justification for his inclusion over right. against Green Lantern whatsoever. Right, right. So it all just felt like an absolute joke. But this cyborg, yes, I, I'm with you. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll stand behind this one. Um, yeah. on, on its own merits, which if you've been paying, paying attention, I'm saying there are zero merits in the theatrical cut. Um, yeah. There's no reason for him to be there over against Give me Hawkman. Like, get anyone. <laughs> Where's a Thanagarian when I need one? <laughs> Give me copy and paste man. into characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Elongated man for all that matters. Uh, Ian, what's your last uh, uh, note here? Did, uh, did I not do no. Did you do three? three? Yeah, yeah, he did it. Yeah, he did yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, hey, keep up. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Thus ends the second mother box, and we hand it off to the hammerhead shark uh, uh, <laughs> lieutenant of Darkseid. So uh, there are, if you're keeping count at home, uh, like Nathan wasn't about Ian's list of things, there are one, there is one mother box left to unearth here. Um, so. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, that's what we're going for here and uh in traditional fog fashion this would be the the themes part of our conversation and 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 i had requested like there's a lot of ways reed you reference this on storm of the century there's a lot of ways this is going to feel like therapy for me and so apologies for that if it hasn't even already um but I wanted to kick the door open for us and, and, and launch us into some conversation with this and y'all kind of run with it various places that you will. Um, but I can't extract any of my feelings about the three of these films from my experience of man of steel. And one, I'm having mild PTSD over thinking about the number of times I had this similar conversation five years ago or whenever the six years ago, whenever this movie came out initially, seven eight i don't even know um and uh uh the, the back and forth so so part of me appreciates that this is going to serve as a bit of as a document of those thoughts and i can put this to bed but um re-watching man of steel this time open heart i'm gonna go into these films ready to find what everybody else that's a big fan is seeing um and it can't be reiterated enough I love when fans are happy. I remember when the fandom thing was going on this past summer during quarantine and we got word of the Snyder cut. And I even remember posting about that. Like it's not speaking to me, but I love, I know my experience of MCU news and energy. And I love that there are people who are soaking this up the way I do that. Um, but it just had not connected. So I went into this, uh, experience of Snyder cuts, uh, desiring to kind of have a heart shift and in a lot of ways i did um i kind of can vibe on the sort of operatic presentation of these characters and the style of these films um i think the score is fantastic as mentioned more than once i think the casting is is top notch um with with little exception but when when you're when your launch pad 
is is the paragon himself if you stumble not meaning to hearken to russell crowe's language here if you stumble that's a tough coming out of the blocks and watching man of steel even this time and i think y'all would echo this the krypton stuff is fantastic Mm -hmm. it is imaginative it is cool visually it is energizing um it's just it felt like something really new and so in that spirit it was like okay cool we're 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 i'm ready for this and for me for me a thing that i will maybe never get over and 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 i won't talk around it more but i'll lean right into it um is is the choice to have superman kill zod uh and 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 to even say the phrase superman kills zod feels like an understatement of what happens in that scene and so what i kind of want to prop up here is is a conversation as weird and maybe impossible as it may be about heroism and 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 what we look to for those templates and and I I texted you guys and I think I was very anxious about even having this conversation because of the the deep chord as dumb as it sounds that a that a creator a filmmaker's choice for a character that I have affection for as weird and dumb as it may sound that choice is rather heartbreaking to me to see it done and to know and it's funny, and I, I'm, I'm throwing a lot of stuff in the stew here, but I even went today. I was like, okay, let me find, let me just do it again. Let's open that heart wide. Uh, I saw some uh, articulation of, of um, someone referencing the Zod death in Superman 2. I went and watched that before this conversation. I was like, okay, well, what happens there? I can't remember. Because this is the thing that I would get browbeaten with 10 years ago when Man of Steel came out again, whenever it was, is, oh, well, you know, it's progressive and, and you know, it's a modern take. It's a new take. And look at this single panel from 60 years of comics where Superman killed somebody. So anyway, I, I got browbeat with that years ago. And, and this is what I mean by the PTSD. And so I went and watched the Zod scene in Superman 2. And I was like, this is not the same thing. And if you haven't seen it, correct me if I'm wrong, Reed. I don't know how recently you've watched this. He effectively grabs him and throws him into a wall and he slides down into a thing. Like that's yeah. the sum of that scene. And it is not the same thing that mm-hmm. happens in this Snyder film. And, and I reference this read on storm of the century. I watching this scene and how much it weighs on me as dumb as that sounds. I always come back to our on writing conversation mm-hmm. of the Holy imagination And guys, I get weepy thinking you took the alien created by Jewish men Hmm. 80, 90 years ago, who's meant to be the template for us. Hmm. And you made him just like us. And, Hmm. and, and I don't, that really, because as weird and over speaking as someone may accuse me of being in this, if, if Superman can't envision a way out, yeah. what hope do I have hmm. to be able to exercise a holy imagination in the face of great 
peril and opposition to think to think there's another way. Right. I mean, it's right. it's it's again, read it came up on Storm of the Century. There's always a choice. And what really troubles me about that scene in that movie is it denies that reality for a character upon whom our imaginative zeitgeist rests. Superman is the, however much we want to quibble about the vanilla-ness of the character writ large, he's the bedrock stone of American pop culture. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. Right. It's because there's always another way, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so, so I'm setting this up because, because what I've really just wrestled with and why it's so hard for me to carry this character through, it's why an hour ago when I say I love Cavill as Superman, but is he Superman? It's why I say that because it's hard to buy in writ large on every facet of this because of what it's, it feels like flash stumbling in, in, in while he's in the middle of the speed force. It's like, what, what <laughs> this is not, this is, it feels. And again, this is Nathan speaking. This is why I've wrestled with this material for eight years. It's a moving target timetable wise is it feels like that choice undermines my ability to trust your comprehension of this character, Mm. which again gets into, I'm I'm trying to hand the baton off here, but gets into this heroism today. Y'all I kept thinking, okay, if I strip it all away, what are we talking about here? And, and because I even wrestle in the overarching narrative of Snyder's DCEU, I wrestle with the fact that, Superman doesn't have a public life before he murders the enemy. Right. 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 He does not have a public life. And why that matters to me in this conversation is you can tell me all day long. The moment came at that single comic panel in comics history where Superman killed somebody. And I'd still say, but context matters and who this character exists in the world in which he makes that choice preceding this matters. And all we have up until that moment is Paul Kent, who damn it is supposed to be the moral voice in this character. The reason Superman exists the way he does and, and traditionally makes the choices he does is that voice is the voice and experience and example of these two people who's who, and I'm not even saying it's not a mature take and from a, and I don't mean that from a a gritty vertigo DC kind of way. You like that nod, but from a, like there's a maturity to the presentation of these characters. I get it, but that, but maturity doesn't deny heroism. And so what I'm trying to come to desperately here is this, is this wrestling because you've got, so why does it matter that Superman doesn't have a public life before he murders Zod and, and let's not pretend that it's anything but that I'm not saying the intention is murder, but that's the choice. Um, It matters to me because what does Superman do in the DCEU? The tentpole things he does is hide his nature, an understandable, motivated choice in universe. Mm -hmm. A little questionable, though. He murders his enemy. In the second film, as heartbreaking as the choice to murder Zod is, y'all, I remember watching this in the theater, BBS, when Superman, when Superman says, um, I, I'm going to look it up so I don't misquote it. In BBS, he says, no one stays good in this world. And I wanted to walk out of the theater mm-hmm. or throw up the middle finger and be like, F this. 
because no, these are not the choices to be made. So uh, hides his, hides himself away. Um, I'm building to this this heroism thread of conversation. Um, he um, uh, uh, murders Zod. He 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 cops to I can be manipulated and ultimately am going to make another terrible choice because no one stays good in this world, Lois. Then he dies heroically uh, uh, murdering or I'm sorry, you know, taking out Doomsday and then they revive him. Those are that's the arc of Superman. This is why I say it's a symbol without substance. There's not a thing to work with there. And so what we come back to is why do we care? Why do we care? about the Superman that exists in Snyder's universe. Mm -hmm. And because that's the heart of this heroism question, right? Is, mm -hmm. is why should we care? Why does it matter to, to, to uh, 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 bring them into the sun with you, as Jor-El says? Um, because the question that comes to me is, is heroism just vanquishing our enemies? Mm. Or is it showing a better way? Right. What I take away from the Snyderverse is heroism is just vanquishing our enemies. And that's a really tough pill to swallow for me. Now, we can nuance that, and, I, and that's what I'm inviting here, but it's hard to not think this. And that's where so much grace for Zack Snyder. I mean that with utter sincerity. My God, the things that man has gone through. And I will say this with zero uh, irony. I watched these and I was like, damn. The man, the man has a vision and, right. and, and he is playing at a level that is pretty impressive. Um, and that's a new capacity for me, but it is hard to walk away and not think, I don't think you get this. And that yeah. is a struggle, um, that, that makes it ultimately kind of hard because where do we even leave it? It's, it's to me. So, and I know, I'm sorry, last note, last note, yeah. please. Last note. I know I haven't seen the Whedon cut, but I know also the feeling and stakes that happen. We can import this here because it's a great comp. By the time we get to Infinity War and Endgame, these characters have become as mythic as where the DC characters always live at. And the stakes are real for what they're embarking on. And what, ha what, they, what the Justice League does to Steppenwolf at the end of the Snyder cut, I was like, God, they, they just mutilate this guy, which... I, Mm -hmm. the, the action narrative demands it sure but i'm like what are we doing what what is heroism my dear friends whom i've had this lingering conversation in the ether for several years now what's heroism is it right killing our enemies or is it being better and 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 that's a struggle right but i think another thing is that you i mean because sincerely uh, the way you've articulated that is is you have to a degree sort of sort of answered your own question that it's it's clearly that being better than our enemies is heroism. Um, I think my biggest issue that I'm yes anding you about is my issue was never for the people who browbeat to death about like Superman's killed before. I've I have said in many many times that my issue with Man of Steel is not that Superman ultimately kills Zod. It's that the film does work to substantiate that that is Zod's perspective, that Superman will have no choice. My issue with Man of Steel is that Man of Steel proves Zod right. Yes. That's, that's my issue. Because Zod says, either you're going to kill me or, or I'm, I don't remember. No, either you die or I do. Yeah. That's, that's what he says. And, and my issue with it, you know, take, take out the actual transaction that took place of Superman ending his life. 
it is that philosophically the film proves Zod right. Yes. And that's what I have. The, that's my biggest issue with Man of Steel, which is why, as I said earlier, I actively dislike it. Um, but th- there have been some, one of the things as the arc as a whole that I would say, um, evolutionary psychology has shown us that it takes a certain amount of positives to override one negative. I think that, I think the number is 10 or maybe 12 that you need to hear like 12, 10 to 12 positive things to override one negative thing. My biggest issue with the arc that they substantiate in Superman is the fact that I think it's actually vastly fascinating. Some of the things that they are positioning about like, Hey, he can act unilaterally. And what happens if he turns on us? That's a very interesting to sure. me yeah. theme that, that threads through it all that I think is worth exploring. My issue is they explore it from go and they spend so much time substantiating it that I'm like, well, now you've got like a mountain of negative things you have to override to the degree right. that I, yes. as an objective viewer, don't really believe, except for my meta awareness of Superman as a cultural figure, believe mm-hmm. that he would be a symbol of hope. Yes. Not in your face. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe he yes. would be seen by what you've shown me. I believe he would not be a figure of hope. He would be a figure of dread. He would mm-hmm. be a figure of profound terror. And that, that I, I, I do not, it's a very lovely moment when he, he, uh, at his grave in Batman versus Superman, it says, you know, to see his monument look around. You know, that's a, that's a lovely sentiment that they right. did not earn from right. my perspective, you know, even when they have the, the, the military funeral, I, I thought, why are you doing this? Right, right. No, absolutely. This shouldn't be happening in the universe you've shown me. Right. And why I feel that Zack Snyder's Justice League, in the way that it brings him back, is a little bit better is because now he has understood, oh, this is heroism. I lay down my life for it. Like, like that's because now he's gone through that. He's literally gone through that whole thing. And now it's no longer a conversation about like just vanquishing the enemy or anything like that. He has experienced the whole I, I, I sacrifice of myself. I give of myself because that's really when we talk about we have repeated it on the show and it came up, I think, in our conversations about the MCU. But, you know, in terms of in terms of heroism, we, we've said it on the show multiple times, and I can't remember which one of us said it first, but I've repeated it often, uh, that the only acceptable loss is our own. To me, that's heroism. Like, the, the understanding of, like, the only acceptable loss here is the cost paid to me. That's, that is the, my vision of a hero's mindset, of understanding if I'm going to take the punches, I'm going to take the blows, sometimes on behalf of other people, which does mean stopping the threat. It does mean ending the threat, all of that kind of stuff. But I think my issue is that when we are exploring the the struggle that he has about whether or not he like I do find it really fascinating in Batman versus Superman that his rescue of one group of people harms actively harms another group of people. That's a, that's that's an understandable tension. That's narrative complexity. And it's an understandable tension that I think is worth exploring in this conversation about what does a hero do. And I find it interesting that Clark Kent has to wrestle with what to do about his powers. My other thing that I actively looked for in this viewing of Man of Steel is he says in Batman versus Superman that he was just the dream of a farmer from Kansas, right? 
And I'm like, I'm watching Man of Steel, and I'm like, man, your dad did everything he could to like keep you in the basement. Yeah. Like he, he, everything he could to like not not you're the dream of like you're gonna mm-hmm. go and do wonderful things is like maybe you let the kids die. No, don't come save me, even though I know you have the speed to do so in a way nobody would see. <laughs> you know, like. You know, all of these kinds of things. And it's like and and that's the part that doesn't quite work for me. I know ostensibly we're having a conversation about Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I'll I'll say this and then I'll probably hop off of it. What I loved so much about Zack Snyder's Justice League are the moments in which he takes our characters through the revelation of what heroism is. Okay, heroism is Wonder Woman after, you know, doing her thing to stop the heist and rescue all the bullets, looking into that that adorable little girl's face and saying, you can be anything you want to be like. That's that's the idea of heroism. Heroism is Batman, the dark knight, the brooding dark knight talking more than anybody else in this film about faith. That's heroism. It's Flash getting this, you know, gutted and sitting there desperately willing himself to heal so that he can can fix this. And as he's running towards the climax to go backwards in time, which God, I loved that moment. But when he's running faster than the speed of light to be able to go backwards in time of things and is like, you know, father, I was one of the best of them, you know, like speaking into the air. It's like that's heroism. It's cyborg embracing. I'm not broken. You know, it's it's those kinds of things. Yeah. That that elevate up. These are these are the visions of heroism that I had been missing in the DCEU for far too long. Um, it's that way in which we we understand our own brokenness and recognize that in the in the fight for justice for others, that is the only acceptable sort of loss is the one we bear upon ourselves. I know Ian's probably just sitting there. When are y'all going to shut up? And let me talk. But <laughs> but that's my res- that's my response to your question. I I don't know. I'm almost weary of hearing the word wrestling. Not and that's not a knock on, on you boys. It's just that I so frequently hear that invoke like, oh I gotta really wrestle with that. Hmm. But what are we gonna do? We're just gonna go right on with the same quotidian um means of reasoning through the everyday that we always do. We don't wrestle with the morals of what we do. We buy what we want because we understand what we want is what we need. And then we go on another day. And I come to this question, Nathan, I've been, it it comes as I'm already thinking so much about the question of like um, pacifism and just war. And that's, that's really big. Okay. That's, that's really big. That's up here, but I'm trying to think about it. Just like how is power to be used? Sure. Because there is, even within the concept of like servant leadership, right, that easily becomes corrupted into a keyword that you put on your sign Mm -hmm. for your brand. And then you exemplify all the very same terrible habits of leaders as far back as we can remember. But you call yourself a servant leader. Um, And... I think that sometimes those of us who try to analyze where did this go wrong? Where is this going wrong? We, we are suspicious of power and it's not that there's nothing to that. It's just that there's also nothing that is ever done without power. 
And that can be frightening to admit. And I think that that's part of the reason that I, I hear what you're saying about Clark Kent saying no one stays good in this world. I think that there is a moral realism to that that can be affirmed. But as with so many other things, if that is the whole statement about what is, that ends in nihilism, yeah. right? And that's the problem. It's, it's when that is not held in tension with this dialectical opposite over here, you know, this, this other point on the ellipse, the two foci are um, mutually interpreting. And I, on, on the larger scale, you know, I, I think about the fact that I think that a straight reading of like, for instance, New Testament injunctions, all I see is pacifism. And I struggle mightily with that because am, am I really, and there's, there's, I hate that it feels like there's no way to talk about this without being reductive. We, because I go to reductive statements like, so I'm supposed to stand by when this people group is uh, becoming the object of genocide. Am I understanding that right? Right, right. And, and again, that's a, that's a big example. It's a real one. It's not what I see commonly, hmm. but like smaller scale. If some, some high schooler is picking on someone I work with who's on the spectrum and I'm supposed to pray for them. Mm, right. And that's it. Or maybe say stop, mm. but not make them stop. I, I am not such a nihilist that I will say that's stupid, but I also can't see how that's right. I cannot a, a moral sense within me revolts and, and it, there might be egotism to it too, because I have been a victim of people with more power who are not afraid to wield it to get right. what they want. Right. right. So right. my right. ego is wrapped right. up in it. Certainly when I see someone else suffering, of course, I imagine myself in there too. And I don't want that to happen to me, right. but is that an entirely erring moral intuition? And I don't, I don't know what to do. And that is why I, I am so sorely vexed when I think of a dichotomy of what is heroism? Is it vanquishing our enemies or is it showing a better way? And you're right because we want, we want to say, well, it's showing a better way. Well, yeah, but what about when it's the terrorists who are just buying the time to blow up eight city blocks? In the the heist with Wonder Woman, right? Because, and that's it's easy to take an Eric Metaxas view of Bonhoeffer, but forget him. Take him out of the equation because Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a real person who, at the end of the day, concluded: Look, doing the right thing will mean that you have dirty hands sometimes, mm. because there is no way to care about what is right without incurring guilt. Mm. And in fact, if you are more preoccupied with having a clear conscience, then you will actively ignore injustice and allow it to perpetuate. Right. Because, oh, I can't get involved with that. I will not take up arms. Now, again, 
any pacifists that are listening, Blake, I know you're one of them. Look, I'm not looking down on you. I think it takes tremendous moral courage to say, no, I will, I will stand in front of you and I will take the blow. But I come back to Elrond at the Council of Elrond. He commends Tom Bombadil, who is going to stay in his cottage, in his idyllic little stretch of Middle Earth and not get involved. And he says, this is commendable. There is something beautiful about this. But it cannot continue on its own terms. Because when Sauron leaves Mordor, he will trample over Tom Bombadil. And there is a cynical version of that. And that's what we all have to be on guard against. But I do not see a way out of the fact that we have to sometimes stick a spoke into the wheel to stop it turning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I... Maybe- I I can yeah. inter- interject, interject there, and and maybe what I responded to is what feels like the cynical take, which, yeah. which feels present in this material, yes, to a certain degree, because I, you know, I want my 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 idealistic little heart, which uh, a wise man once told me the ideal doesn't exist, which is a pain in the ass, really, um, <laughs> but I guess is sort of correct. Um, is is that this is not permissible and or and and absolutely not commendable um and definitely breaks the the template of what should be and again i'm I'm speaking very loftily but but attempting because because loftiness doesn't matter at all you know our our, our virtue our, our virtuousness or what we aspire to at least doesn't matter at all if it doesn't have a practical effect mm-hmm. and and i think that's what i really wrestle with here yeah not to reuse that word you hate but like is this is a character we're meant to actually wrestle that's one thing (laughs) yeah and it does it causes deep deep trouble and unsettledness within me to to say this is this is for whom we are meant to emulate now exercising this action and that is a struggle that is a difficulty and but that's exactly what i am uh uh, agreeing with because what I find in Snyder's interpretation of this material is exactly like you guys said. The only reason that I would continue to see Superman as a symbol of hope is because I have prior knowledge of right. this character and yeah. and and what he has done outside of this material. So I uh, I'm utterly with you guys. Where uh, the only reason that I can continue to see Superman as a symbol of of hope is because I have the outside knowledge, the prior knowledge of who he's supposed to be, who he is from storylines that are not anywhere in this material. There is nothing that I am given here to see him any other way. And, and it is, that is the cynical interpretation that is embodied in the Snyder verse. And, and so I guess what I wonder is we use the image of, um, offering ourselves to be broken on the boulder in the stream in Endgame, right? We, our life is a gift, and we give that gift back. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we sacrifice our gift. Right. And all of us feel that difference, I think. I think all of us feel that difference. There is a real substantive difference between Captain America strapping on the shield and looking down Thanos and his legions and what we have on offer here. There is violence in both, but there is something qualitatively and utterly different between the two yeah. that we might struggle to articulate, but we can find ourselves 
we can imagine ourselves among the ranks of everyone joining cap. I know we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> my, my hairs are standing on end as I say that. Because two years on. This is not what the people real. came for, Ian. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just saying, I'm sure. just saying that I love seeing these characters in their celluloid form with flesh and blood. I, I love it. I love it. But on the whole, it's not just Superman. They are all ciphers for something. And that something is all comic book material that is wonderful. But if I don't have that, I have some fight scenes that are pretty yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. And you're and like Superman, you're like, not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have I would have one thing that I would try to quickly offer here. Um we haven't talked about him very much, and that's you know, with intention, but um Jesse Eisenberg's like, you know, Lex Luthor is just he's too he's too outrageous and, and, and I don't, and I feel like he's just spouting off a bunch of philosophical uh, sort of lines that don't have a tremendous amount of substance, but he does invoke God a lot, God and, and devil imagery and, and the idea of God being all good and all powerful and everything. There's one thing that I would offer um, in response to Nathan's question of what is heroism. One of the things I think about, I may have shared it on the pod before, but if I haven't, I'll share it now. The, there's a scripture verse that says, um, and this is going to tie back into Zack Snyder's Justice League. There is a scripture verse that says, um, you know, as far as the East is from the West, that's how far I'll cast your sins away from you. I'm not quoting it verbatim, um, but that's the that's the expression that is that is delivered as far as the East is from the West. And we know that when it was uttered, it was it was talking about like an Eastern place and a Western place. But one of the things that I visualize is when we take it on its own merits, East and West are not really destinations, they're directions. There and, and, and I think to sort of put the bumper sticker on that I'll substantiate it with, I talked about how, you know, Flash is sort of rising to be who he wants to be and better for his father. My foot's in the door, Dad, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. You know, my foot's in the door, and Dad cheers that all on. Cyborg embracing the fact that his life was didn't have to be this, and now it can be this other thing. Batman turning a corner and actively like pivoting a 180 from what he viewed the world as a couple of years ago and now is viewing it quite differently. Wonder Woman is a pretty static beacon of hope. Aquaman 2, changing from non-involvement to active involvement, all of these kind of things. And then the the difference once Superman has kind of embraced, you know, the the Jor-El and the uh, Jonathan Kent voices in his head and embraced them and has moved forward, black suit and all, into what he is going to be in the future. So what I would say, getting back to that scripture that says, you know, the scripture says, okay, as far as the East is from the West, my vision of what heroism is, is it is the capacity to change. It is the recognition that it is not too late because in this idea of, you know, uh, East and West recontextualizes whether or not we are good or whether or not we can be good, not by where we're standing, but by where we're going. Not by where we're, we're positioned, but by where we are facing. So if you are knocking on the gates of hell in terms of all the things that you've done wrong, you're Ebenezer Scrooge on, on the night before Christmas, and you wake up the next morning and think, my God, it's not too late. 
I can make every difference in the world. I have the capacity to change. Um, or in the reverse of that, be knocking on the pearly gates of heaven and then recognize that you still are susceptible to beginning to head down the wrong path and begin to head down uh, a, a darker uh, path than you will. And one of the things that I found so tremendously beautiful about Zack Snyder's full vision of Justice League is the way these heroes have the capacity to change. And that is a very, very big central theme that they have the ability to pivot and they have the ability to turn around. And that to me is what heroism is all about. It's not that you came fully formed. God love every iteration of Superman that exists beforehand. And I am not backpedaling one iota on my problems with what I identified on Man of Steel. But you do not come fully formed and step into this to where every decision will be right from the gate. It is in what I perceive and, and, and receive from Zack Snyder's vision. Being a hero is largely about having the capacity and willingness to change once you see that something needs to be different. And God, what a beautiful little sentiment that was nowhere in the theatrical cut of Wayne looking out and saying, I see a big table with six chairs and they linger on that room for more. There's room for more. And I found that beautiful, actively beautiful. Yeah. And, and so that to me, in, in direct answer to your question, Nathan, is no, it's not just, you know, vanquishing in enemies. It is reaching deep within ourselves and recognizing we have the capacity to change, that it is not too late, that we can make a new forward decision, you know, from here on out. That's how I would answer your question. To, to affirm what you're saying, I just started the book by Greg Boyd, and I don't have it on me, so I'm going to misquote it, but uh, barking at the choir. Um, and he wrote Tattoos on the Heart, which I referenced last year, but it, um, basing this on memory, but he, he defines for himself the word repent. And he says, moving into a new mind. And mm. I really loved that. And that mm. kind of speaks to what you're describing as the capacity to, you know, I feel like traditionally repent is some disciplinary and authoritarian thing that we impose on other people versus choosing willfully to move into a new mind. Right. Um, that really right. Which I feel like maybe as a concluding button, we have all three, as we've articulated many ways, moved into a mind, a new mind ourselves about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Did you love when I just set you up like that? Yeah, it's, it feels like, nice. Hey, it really, feels... <laughs> here's your closing statement. I no, don't it's, know it's... because just having to say I have repented and I now enjoy yeah. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Well, that, you, you, you overstated what Reed just said. There's, <laughs> there's moving into a new mind, but still retaining a sense of, you know, kind of jocularity. My yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, course. clearly, I'm still struggling a bit. I'm wrestling and will be for some time to come. <laughs> and that's the thing is, like you know, uh, collectively, culture moved into a new mind about this. Justice League was written off. Justice League was written off. The Snyder Cut was a myth. When is it ever going to happen? And then now it's here, and dang it, it's good. It's really good, and it's got some good things to say. It's entertaining. And we can all collectively move into a new mind about it. I do so with a full and an open heart. Um, and uh, and with that, uh, is it, it, does that does that sort of wind us down? Are the other mother boxes united? I, I, the we're, mother, we're there. The unity is in effect. Unity is in the, effect. I see a yeah. table with at least three people, but room for more. You know, <laughs> room. For we're like totally mixing the metaphors here. We're we're yeah, yeah, you know yeah, still glomming the villain and the heroism all together and <laughs> for, for the Lord's sake. No one stays good in the fear of God. <laughs> oh, <you know. laughs> oh God! Take us out, Reed, quick. <laughs> so. That concludes a uh, another sort of B-side edition. We have, uh, you know, as Nathan said earlier, it's kind of, you know, in the ether for a long time. But 
This is, uh, you know, our conversation about Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm glad it's in the world. Um, Zack Snyder went through a lot of personal and creative trials to get here. I feel happy for him. I feel happy for the fans. Amen. I feel happy for us that we were able to receive lengthy as it is and is worth critiquing its length. A genuinely, objectively strong piece of media uh, that does these characters well uh, and I think has some interesting things to say about their capacity to change and as we wrestled with ourselves in this dialogue about what it means to be a hero and what heroism really and truly is about. Do we agree with every conclusion it has? Not entirely, but there's definitely a lot of substantive things to draw out of it, and I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to have had the conversation. So that puts this bonus episode uh, in the books. Um, stay with us next week for our regularly scheduled programming, which we had uh, you know, tabled for you last week, in st- or earlier this week, actually, in Storm of the Century. <laughs> stay tuned for Child's Play coming right on the heels in our regularly programmed What Scares Us material. And even on the B-sides, as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the a conversation and in that spirit we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing ian nathan thank Great. you so much thank you oh, dark side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see you we'll next see week you. guys see you next week everybody <laughs>